Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, Celebration, what's up? I hope everyone is having a great weekend. I'm actually in Knoxville, Tennessee this weekend. I am preaching at a next-gen conference, over 20,000 students at this conference. Man, I'm really excited how God is moving all across this nation into the lives of students. And you know, we have a big heart for that here at Celebration. And speaking of that, I wanted to bring you up to speed on a couple more initiatives that we've had for this year. First of all, our offices in college. Can you believe it? We are moving back to our Midtown location for Celebration College and offices only. Many of you know that we actually had sold this to a church. It was actually a lease to own. They leased it for several months, and now they're moving out, which is great for us because we really need the space. So we're in the process of renovating that right now. We'll be moving back in in the summer where we'll have our central offices there. We'll also have tons of classrooms for groups, and it will also be home to Celebration College, and it will be able to hold up to 500 students. We are so, so excited. We'll also be having weekend services there beginning early in 2017. And so we're really excited about that. I know many of you came to know Jesus at our Midtown location, and so it has good memories for you. And so we're so glad that we're getting that back. So, hey, listen, you are going to hear a great message from one of our phenomenal communicators here at Celebration uh, today, and I will see you soon. God bless, church. Don't you love Pastor Stovall? Put your hands together for our pastors. Pastor Stovall, Pastor Kerry. And what a blessing it is to, to, serve, to serve with them, to, to, serve, to serve and do all kinds of incredible things as they go to the world. Like he says, he's in Knoxville right now. You know, we get to be there with him. And it's an awesome thing to, to get to reach this world together. We have awesome pastors. It's always an honor to be able to communicate. I'm, I'm Jason Bolin. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it is always a privilege to stand right here on this stage and to speak to each one of you, whether it's a Sunday, a Wednesday, or no matter when it is. So I'm so glad you're here today. You look good. You look like you. You look, you look better than the 930 service did. I just got to be honest. Man, they look bad. They didn't look good. You look good, though. They look like it was 8.30 or something, but you look good. You look good. So I, it's, it isn't, uh, well, what about that though? Five, or three minutes of fire, you know? I, 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 might, I might try that, except I'm gonna be a, a, a few more minutes than three minutes, and if I did it that hard, I would pass out up here on stage, <laughs> and I just can't do it. But man, that was powerful, awesome, awesome. So thankful for it the heart of this house to reach the next generation. Because you know what, it's not all about us. God has a plan and we serve a generational God. We serve a God who is eternal, he's everlasting, and we are a part of this incredible story, but we are just a part and we're gonna leave a legacy. We're gonna leave a heritage to our, to our families, to the next generation, and what a privilege it is to be a part of that. And what a privilege that is. You can open your Bibles to the book of Mark. That's the second gospel, the second book of the New Testament, Mark chapter 8. While you turn or find Mark chapter 8, I'll just give you a little context. A little context is, you know, 
Jesus was going to be, in the beginning of this, of this text we're going to read, Jesus was in a town called Bethsaida. And in Bethsaida, it was a place where he had already rebuked. He'd already let them know, woe to you, Bethsaida. It's not going to be good for you. Your faith's not going to be good. And there was a reason why, because of their unbelief, because of their godlessness, their faithlessness. And you, we can see even, even uh, years later, that town was destroyed and never rebuilt. And it just is an indication of the, there's consequences to our godlessness and, and never turning and, and listening to the voice of God. But you know what, I'm thankful that God has a plan for all of us, and it's not for that. It's not to be, it's not to be destroyed, it's not to not have a future, but it is the contrarily to that. It is to, he's come to give us a future, to give us a hope, to give us life. And we can be encouraged by that, but that's the context of what's going on. You can also see a couple stories prior to that, prior to what we're gonna read, Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves. Now he did it in one account with 5,000 people and then there's a separate account he did with 4,000 people. And this is one of those times. And then the, right after that story, the, the Pharisees, the, the religious scholars of the day, they, they came at Jesus wanting a sign. They wanted him, okay, we've seen you heal. We've seen you multiply food. We've seen you do the miraculous. We want more. We want more signs. We still don't believe. We still aren't convinced that you're the Messiah. And so this is the, this is the setting in which the story we're about to read is taking place. The unbelief, the godlessness all around. And then the story right before the one we're gonna read is Jesus with his disciples out on a boat. And one of the disciples is like, man, I forgot to bring the bread. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? Do you not know who you're on the boat with? I just multiplied the fish and the bread. Do you not think that I may open your eyes, open your ears, understand what I'm doing and who I am and what I wanna do in your life and through your life? He said, I want you guys to get this. Don't let, he said, Jesus said, don't let the leaven of the religious and the political, the Pharisees and Herod, don't let the, the religious and the political or the cultural um, leaven or godlessness get into your spirit. So here's where we pick up this story. Jesus is about to heal somebody and show us some incredible things through this healing. Mark chapter eight, verse 22, Jesus, it says, then he, then Jesus came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away. Jesus sent the man away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Let's ask God to open our, our ears today, to open our eyes, to, to hear and see his voice, to see what he's doing 
Oh yeah, there's a lot of distraction. There are many voices coming at us just like it was in the time of Jesus and this blind man. There are many voices trying to distract us coming from all around, but let us pray that God will quieten those voices today and that he will do a work in our lives today. How many believe that he can do something today? I mean, right here, right here at Celebration Church. Yeah, I believe that. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the privilege to come into your presence, to worship you and honor you. God, we, we don't hold that lightly. And Lord, we need you today. We can't do this without you. There is so much distraction. It causes so much confusion, so much pain, causes so many questions. So today, God, I ask that you would open our eyes to see what you are doing in the midst of all of it. I ask that you would open our ears to hear that still, quiet voice that speaks to us even more real than the distraction around us. And God, I ask that you quiet, silence the voice of the enemy in our lives, that we would hear your voice today and follow after you today to be all you've called us to be, which is great men, great women of God that bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, now, you're gonna help me like you did for the three minutes of fire, huh? You're gonna help me out. All right, help me out, I'm ready, I'm ready. So let me, let me first tell you a story though. Last summer, my, my wife and I were cleaning out the house. This was the summer and we were doing spring cleaning. Always a season behind, it seems like, right? But it was hot, we were, we were hot and, 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 and sweating, you know how it is in the summer in Jacksonville. And so we came into the house and my wife grabbed one of the bottles that was on the island and she just chugged that bottle, that uh, bottle that, that usually held water. But what she found out this time was after she had chugged it, she realized that she, it was the bottle that she had put the gel-like lighter fluid on one of the tiki's, uh, tiki torch things in our, on our lanai in our backyard. She chugged that junk. I mean, I'm telling you, she, she got it down. And so I'm the type, uh, you know what? So when she started screaming, Jason, first of all, she, she went and found, so she drank it and she had the wherewithal. Let me go find the bottle this stuff was in. She went and of course it said, warning, fatal if swallowed or potentially. So I, mean, I, was, I was freaking out. She told me this and I was like, what in the world? First of all, I'm like, what were you thinking? And then I realized that wasn't the right answer. So I said, what can I do to help you? And we were just yelling at each other, what's going on? And see, in my mind, I, I, I drink or eat something that unsettles my stomach. I'm the type that very easily can just go to the restroom and get rid of it. It's no problem to me. If I'm like, oh, my stomach's a little unsettled, I can take care of that. <laughs> my wife, on the other hand, does not like to induce anything coming out of her mouth. And so therefore she was, I, I was saying, you just drink lighter fluid, stick your finger down your throat. <laughs> and we were panicked. I mean, we were talking to each other like, it, like we were newlyweds or something. Stick your finger down your throat, throw it up, come on. And she's like, no, I can't. 
I'm like, you're gonna die. Stick your finger on your throat. And so Ezra passes, I'm panicking. I forgot, okay, I'm supposed to be calling poison control right now. So I called poison control and I was waiting. And the first thing the lady is like, she's like, so I'm like, well, what do I do, what do I do? Well, first thing, tell her, do not induce vomiting. And Sarah's like, well, what is she saying? What's she saying? I'm like, nothing, be quiet. So this lady and I continue to have this very calm conversation to which I'm not gonna reveal to Sarah because she's completely abolishing all the wisdom that I was dropping. And so she, she, she then asked me a question, how old is your wife? And so I said, I said, she's 36. And with the same passion and with the same pointed finger and the same veracity, she looked at me, my wife, and said, I'm not 36, I'm 35. <laughs> I'm glad I survived that day. I mean, my wife, she drank the lighter fluid, she's fine. I'm glad I lived another day. See, there were competing voices all over the place. There were, comp I was yelling at her, she was yelling at me, she was, she was making decisions by fear. I was making decisions based on stupidity and knowing absolutely nothing about what to do when you drink lighter fluid. I didn't know what to do, but we, we both had good intentions. We both wanted to fix the problem, but there were all these voices flying and we weren't able to, we didn't have the answers ourselves. And you know what, that's the situation of the world in which we live today. Man, you're hearing voices all around you they're coming at you from, from the political world. Man, what, what's up with the politics right now? Then you've got culture and, and, and entertainment and all the things that we do to enjoy, to ease the pain and remove some of the stresses of life. And then you've got things like the financial world, and you've got information flying at you from the news media and what's happening in the world, and there's all these competing voices that are coming right now, and, and we are, we're, we're standing here in, in life trying to figure out what to do and how to step and what decisions to make with all these voices coming at us, and you know what? This blind man was in the same situation 2,000 years ago. Well, how, how, how do we know? How do we know? Because Jesus had already pronounced the woe on Bethsaida. He said, your, your, your future's not bright because you are full of unbelief. You're full of godlessness. And so when Jesus went back to Bethsaida, he'd already preached there. He'd already taught many messages there. He'd healed people like crazy there. He'd, He'd done miraculous things. He'd showed them the way, yet they, they still were filled with unbelief. When, when he came back, I didn't say what, exactly what he was doing there, but these people came up and said, will you please heal our friend? That, there was still somebody that left that believed. And said, will you please, we, we want you to heal this, heal, heal the blind man. And he's like, heal me, heal me, heal me, please. And Jesus said, okay. So he grabs him by the hand and he leads him outside the city. He leads him outside the city. And see, what I wanna do is encourage you today because all around us in this world, everything we're facing, everything, all the pressure mounting against us, all of the voices, the competing voices that we're hearing, 
All of the godlessness, the faithlessness, the poor decisions, the pain, amidst all of that, even if everyone around you is filled with godlessness and, and unbelief, God can still take you by the hand and he can lead you outside of the town and he can still with his mercy and grace speak into your life and touch you and bring hope and life to you and encourage you and heal you and pick you up and set your foot on the solid foundation to help you move forward in all that he has planned for you. He still does that. No matter what's going on around you, no matter what's been pronounced to our, our city, our state, our nation, our, the world, no matter, what, no matter what's happening all around, God is still able to remove us from that and do something very special in our life. See, because someone else's unwillingness to believe does not determine my ability to receive what God has for me. It doesn't matter what they're unwilling to do or to believe, I, I can still receive what God has for me if I'm just willing to take his hand and step outside of the noise and enter into his presence and lean into him. So I, I love though how he, he took the blind man outside of the town to remove the distractions, to remove the noise. And then he spit, he just very, the writer is very casually, just says Jesus spit on his eyes. Oh, no problem. He just spit right in his eyes. No, no sweat, right? But then it goes on and says he, he touched him and, and Jesus asked him, so what, what are you seeing? What, what do you see? He knew something was going on. He, because normally when Jesus touched somebody, they were instantly healed. But in this case, I believe that Jesus is trying to tell us something. I believe he was trying to show the, this blind man and and the people around and, and in us today. He said, I see men like trees walking. I see men like trees walking. See, I believe that Jesus gave this blind man and us today a glimpse into the spiritual state all around us. I see blind men like trees walking. See, the problem with that is, it's not that he saw this distorted view of man is that he saw that trees walking around. See, trees are supposed to be planted. Trees are supposed to be rooted in the ground. And he showed them the spiritual state of Bethsaida, of the region, many regions or parts of the country around them, and even us today. See, we are so often find ourselves walking around like trees, unplanted, not rooted, able to be blown by any wind or storm or wave or problem or stress that comes our way. And see, when it comes and we're not rooted and planted in Jesus Christ, we're susceptible to whatever voices that we're listening to. But God says, I want to plant you. I don't want you to be like a tree walking around. I want you to be planted. I want you to be rooted. I want you to be strong and secure in me and in who you are in me. That's his desire, that's his hope, that's what he wants for us. See, the, the voice I choose to believe determines the life I lead. Tie those two statements together. Someone else's unwillingness to believe God does not determine my ability to receive from God, but the voice I choose to believe determines the life I lead. See, the, all the voices around me don't matter. All of the noise around me doesn't matter. 
but then I have a choice. God's gonna take me by the hand, lead me outside of it, but I still have to choose to believe the voice of God. I believe there's two reasons we miss it so often. One is because, one is because we can find ourselves in a noisy situation and, and unable to hear his voice, even though we want to. I, I, I know you're like me. You really want to do what is right. You want to hear God's voice. And let me tell you something, let me tell you this. Genuinely, I, I believe this with all my heart. God is proud of you for that. He appreciates that. He, he, he leans into your willingness. But like I do with my children in school, and they say, I tried my best on this test, and I'm like, I know you did. I'm so proud of you. But let me show you there is another way to make it better. Your effort doesn't always have to get better. Just what you do, the approach you take. When we approach this as hearing voices coming at us from all over the place, we're gonna be like men, men like trees, walking around, unplanted, unrooted, but if we listen to the voice of God and believe his voice. See, the other reason is not only that we, we want to, but we just can't really hear his voice. The other reason is because God's voice so often is so different than the other voices we are hearing. And if everybody else is hearing those voices and doing what those voices say, that means there are times when we are going to be counter-cultural, counter-political, counter-relational, counter-societal, counter to so many things we hear from the wisdom of the world. But I love it, it goes even further and says, that Jesus didn't stop right there and just, and show the man his, you know, his spiritual condition. Jesus touched the man again and, and healed his sight. But see, we gotta, we gotta see the order in that. Jesus revealed the man's spiritual condition before he healed his physical condition. A lot of us were dealing with physical things, maybe our body, maybe a relationship. Maybe it's our finances or a problem we're dealing with at work, in school, in our life, our emotions, whatever it is that we're facing, we're dealing with these physical problems. But God's saying, I care more than you can imagine about those physical problems. As much as I care though about those physical problems, I care even more about the eternal spiritual being that I made and breathed life into when I created you. He says, I created you with purpose. I created you with destiny. I created you with meaning and to fulfill what I've put inside your heart to fulfill. God's made you for a reason and a purpose, and, but one of those reasons and purposes is to have fellowship with him to be planted in him, rooted in him, so that we're able to hear his voice and receive from him and not be torn apart by the storms outside. But we have solitude and strength and courage on the inside because we're planted and rooted in Jesus. So he wants to heal our spiritual condition. He wants to heal our spiritual condition. He, he cares greatly about the physical. But man, the eternal part, the eternal part, he wants to bring healing there. And that comes in his presence. It comes when we position ourselves, root ourselves, 
in him. I love King David. He was one who was planted in God. And I wanna read you the very first three verses of the very first Psalm. King David was a man who faced tumultuous things. He heard many voices, good and bad, and he ran from an enemy. He conquered other kings. He failed. He was praised by God. He lived a spectrum all, he lived a life all over the place, a spectrum far, far and wide. He experienced a lot in his life, and this is what he said. Here's his foundation of Psalms right here. Here's how he begins. Psalm chapter one, verse one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is the law, is in the law or the word of God. And in his law or in his word, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season or every season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. That's what I want out of my life right there. That whatever I do, it prospers. Wherever I go, God blesses it. However I act, it's a blessing to, to God, to others, and to myself. There's only one way for that to happen, and that's to be planted as a tree next to the river of living water. So how? How, was, how did David, in those times where we know he was planted, and he was hearing God's voice, and he was having that fellowship with God, how had he positioned himself? What had he chosen to do? What does this planting look like? He makes it clear in the first two verses. Blessed is the man. Who or how? Here it is. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. See, a person planted firmly in the Lord does not listen to the advice of the ungodly. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. It's those wrong times that really, really mess things up. But you know what? God can be right all the time. I love also in, in the Psalms, King David says again, he said, the word of God is proven. It's never failed. It's never let him down or another. So a person firmly planted in the Lord doesn't listen to the advice of the wicked. The next part of that verse, it says, nor does he stand in the path of sinners. He doesn't listen to the prevailing voice of the culture, of the world and everything swirling around us, whose goal and objective is to ease the pain, find a little more enjoyment, find a little more fun and have a little more personal gratification. He said, that is not how you've become firmly, in root, firmly planted and rooted in God. And third part of that, of verse one, it says, nor does he sit in the seat of the scornful. He doesn't listen to the negative and dissentious voices of the world. And right now they're raging. Right now, the enemy is trying to stir up hatred in your heart about someone else because of what they believe, because of what they look like, 
because of how they vote, because of what they choose to do with their family or their finances or their faith. The enemy right now wants to cause you to have judgment or dissentious thoughts about someone else. But, they, but a person firmly planted in the Lord doesn't listen to those voices. A, fir, a person firmly planted in the Lord, look at verse two. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, in his word, he meditates day and night. A person firmly planted in the Lord values the word of God, uses the word of God to make every decision. You know, sometimes you just make decisions because you feel rushed. Listen, there is no decision worth making without first going to God. And if you miss that opportunity before you have the chance to ask God what he thinks, it was a door that was closed. Let it go. God's voice, God's word, King David said, is proven. It's never failed. But not only does he value the word of God and, and base every decision based on the word of God, he keeps the word of God in his or her mind at all times. When, I don't know about you, but when I wake up, it's pretty hard for my first reaction not to be to check the news or social media. God says, I want to be the first voice speaking into your life every day. I want to be the last voice speaking into your life every day. I want to be the voice speaking into you all day long. Now we can't walk around like this all day long, but the Bible says that he goes around meditating it. I mean, going over what he read prior that morning. God will bring up those scripture that you've read. He will bring it back to your remembrance at times when you need it. You may not be able to quote it right, but you'll know what to do. You'll know how to make the decision based on all the other voices out there trying to distract you. Let's go ahead and close here. The guys will come out and, and, and settle me down, get me going, push me along here. Here's how I wanna end. So there was a time in the very beginning of humankind when God planted Adam and Eve in a place called the Garden of Eden. Now in this place, this garden where God planted them, they had, they had responsibility that brought them more fulfillment that you can never imagine. They named all the animals and the plant life and the wildlife. They named everything. They had dominion over the earth. They, they had incredible responsibility that brought huge fulfillment. They had rest. They had rest. God had created the earth in six, or the, the universe in six days. And then the very first thing, the thing he did to show them after he created man was to rest. To show them that this is a life I want you to live and you will work hard, you will, you, you know, you're, you're gonna have dominion, you gotta take responsibility, you've got to get stuff done, but you can do it while always resting. But more than all of that, there was this one principle that was prevailing through the time in the garden. And that is that they had unbroken fellowship 
with God. The Bible says that they walked with God in the cool of the day. Meaning when they were just going to do the next thing or just walking through the garden, God was there. When they were making decisions, God was there. When they were eating, God was there. When they were working, God was there. When they were resting, God was there. And they had unbroken fellowship with him. Most of us know the story. Real quick here, what happened was is they, they believed another voice. The voice of the enemy came as a, as a serpent trying to deceive them and did deceive them into believing that what God said had not been proven. Would not be everything that they could experience if they just would branch out and they could discover a little bit more. And so they ate of the fruit of that tree. They walked away from God's perfect will and their fellowship with God was broken. And I know some of you today, you, you, you feel like that. You feel like either because of all the voices coming at you, all of the wisdom or, or non-wisdom, the knowledge or non-knowledge, all of the cultural ways and the political arguments and the financial advice, all of that, you're, you're confused and you wanna do what's right, but you're confused and you've, you've made some wrong decisions along the way and you, you've caused some pain for yourself and for others and you find yourself there and you're just like, what do I do? And God says, I, I'm, I'm proud of your effort. He said, I really am. I, I genuinely am proud of your effort. I know you want to do what is right, but he says, but I, I just wanna show you that there is another way you can do this. Where I'll still be proud of you, but you will get different results. Your life will be better. Your life will be more full and whole and filled with peace. And the way that is, is to engage again in that fellowship with God, to allow him to take you by the hand and lead you outside the noise and to have time in his presence with you. You say, well, how does that happen? It was broken thousands of years ago, yeah, Adam and Eve chose to, chose to believe a lie and their fellowship was broken with God. And you know what? We may still be living a life with unbroken fellowship, but you know what? There was the first Adam, but there came along a second Adam and his name is Jesus. The first Adam, he failed and he failed and, and fell in a perfect garden. Then the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, came in a very imperfect garden, but lived a perfect life. Holy, righteous, pure, filled with peace, joy, and favor beyond measure. And you know what, he came, and when he died on the cross, he reversed that curse of unbroken fellowship with God. And said, if you come to me, I can lead you to the Father. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus, but if we go through Jesus, if we go that route, if we allow him to plant, or if we allow him to plant us and root us in him, no matter what wind comes, no matter what wave comes, no matter what advice we get, no matter how many voices we hear, we can stand and we can stand strong. We can be courageous and mighty we can be the generational example to our children and our children's children 
We can leave a legacy. We can do all that he's called us to do. We can get through the problems that we're facing today. If we will root ourselves in Jesus Christ, if we will firmly plant ourselves in him. But I know it's so hard, it's so distracting, because again, those voices never stop. They never stop and they never get quieter. But Jesus at all times wants to take you outside the town, just you and him, just steal away and just have a moment. Every day, all throughout every day, he's there. But some of you right now, I know you're, you're dealing with some stuff. I wanna, I wanna ask you a couple questions. So just so you can think about it and, 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 and just allow God to do a work in your life, I just ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. Is there anybody today that says, you know what? Man, I, I need to take the hand of God and allow him to lead me outside of the noise a whole lot more consistently. I need to, I need to steal away with him because I, I, I've been in his presence before and I, I know there's peace and strength there and I've just allowed myself to maybe lessen, lessen or, or diminish that opportunity, but today, Today, I'm making a new commitment. I'm prioritizing God in my time with Him. And today, today I'm making that commitment. I'm making a commitment to pursue Him even more. Let me see your hand. If that's you, say, I need prayer today. I need prayer because I'm, I'm gonna pursue Him like I never have before. I'm gonna re-engage and lean into Him. Thank you for your hands. But I wanna ask one more question. Some of you, you're experiencing unbroken fellowship with God and you're, the, the, the situations of life, they're getting you down right now. They're wearing you down. They're, they're weighing you down and you just don't see an end in sight. You just don't see how, how it's ever gonna turn around. I wanna, I wanna invite you to pray a prayer with us in just a moment, to commit your life to Jesus Christ, to have a fresh start in your life, to allow him to lead you outside of all those distractions and voices in your life and just tell you all that is good about you and all the plans he has for you and all the things that he wants to do in your life to bring peace and joy. How many of you say, I want I want a fresh start today. I want to make a new commitment to Jesus himself today. I want fellowship, relationship with Jesus. And I want to make that, I want to make that commitment today. If that's you, let me see your hands. You want a fresh start. You want to make things right today. Thank you. Keep those hands up for just a moment. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. Everybody stand up across the room and let's pray. Let's pray this prayer here. I want you to pray a prayer. First thing we're gonna do is we're gonna pray that prayer, committing ourselves to Jesus Christ to ask for a fresh start. Everybody say this with me. Even if, you've, even if you're here every Sunday and you, you've prayed this prayer many times, pray it with me right now. Say, dear Lord, thank you for Jesus Christ, the Lord of my life. I've messed up, I've walked away from God, but today I choose to call him Lord, to commit my life to him. I've sinned and I've missed the mark and I need his forgiveness. But Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and raising from the grave to give me life today, new life. How awesome is that? Why don't you put your hands together? Every person making that commitment. Every person. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna pray for the rest of us in here today. I wanna pray for you today. 
And I wanna pray, because so many of you raised your hands. I wanna, I wanna prioritize my time with God. I wanna lean into Him. I need to hear His voice, and it starts today. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I ask that you give us a passion for your word, a passion for your presence, that you would silence the voice of the enemy that's in our lives today. Lord, let us be able to step aside from all the noise and hear you clearly. God, if it doesn't happen right away, let us not fear that we've missed you. Let us not be condemned that we're not good enough, but let us know that it is your greatest desire to be with us, to, for us to be in your presence, to firmly and plant us and root us and make us who you've called us to be. God, strengthen your people today. Lift them up. Plant them in the Word of God and in your presence. And Lord, let them see what King David saw, that the Word of the Lord is proven, never failed. God, you never fail us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Your plan for us is good. So today, God, we're encouraged. Come on, put your hands together today. Lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.